I'm a true believer of this kind of extrasensorial communication. And at the same time, it's a paradox because our universe is dictated by science. The basis is, can be explained by science. Almost everything, all these bioactors around the world, they're not all scientists, but they're using a lot of concepts that are, is coming from science. This is exactly what life is all about. When you want some things in life, you set your goal and nothing can stop you as simple as that. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Okay, friends, I am so thrilled to bring you today's episode with Sean Valacara. He has become such a great friend, and he's really doing incredible things in the biohacking sphere. It was such an honor to be on the cover of Biohackers Update Magazine, and since then, write some pieces for it. So thank you, Sean, for that. Thank you for all that you're doing and the work of true motivation and understanding the connection between the science of our brains and our physical performance, really taking the body to its ultimate human potential. I so enjoyed this conversation and I think you guys will as well. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash calisthenics. The show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then check out my Instagram, find the Friday announcement post there. And again, comment to enter to win something that I love. If you are enjoying the show, it would mean the absolute world, world, world if you could take a brief moment and subscribe in iTunes and or preferably and write a brief iTunes review. It helps so much more than most people realize. It's really one of the best ways to support the show. So thank you so much in advance for that. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric, or focused on a certain type of person, and I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it, so please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, Spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal Spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that Spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you are currently taking Spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. 
Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or algae and I really experienced the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque, it can help alleviate pain, and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity? If you are using conventional skincare and makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare and makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up. And just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin so you can truly feel good about what you put on and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, 
and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with my dear friend, Jean Balacara. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I'm about to have. So the backstory that led up to today's conversation, probably last fall-ish, so fall of 2021, maybe a little bit before, I was reached out to by the staff of Biohackers Update Magazine, and they were talking to me about writing some articles for that magazine. I did a call with the... Now you're the the owner, right? You acquired it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from Since January 21, actually, yes. I'm the one there taking this team to the next level. Well, that you are doing. So so I connected with Jean Falacara, who I am here with, and we had a phone call to connect and just realized, maybe not surprisingly, that we are into all of the same stuff and have so much to talk about. And he was so, so kind to actually put me on the cover of that magazine for the November issue, which was just so surreal. And I'm so grateful and honored. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes, friends, because you've definitely got to check that out as well as the current issue. So we connected. I read Jean's book, Neuroscience Calisthenics, Hijack Your Body Clock. I um, dive deep into his content. If you follow him on Instagram, it's one of the most motivating Instagrams as far as just really seeing what the body can do performance-wise. I mean, this man is mind-blowing. And what's so cool and what he talks about in his book, and I'm sure we will talk about in today's conversation, is the incredible role and connection between 
the mind, our mindset and our physical performance and, you know, not just how it, I mean, everything, and we'll just dive into this, but like the mindset, as well as the actual, like what's happening in your brain, neurons, how that's affecting things. This book also goes into all of the biohacking stuff and biofeedback. And so there's just so much that we could talk about. I'm very, very excited. Jean, thank you so much for being here. Man, it's an honor for me. Thank you for having me on on the show. And it's it's funny because, yeah, you just remind me that the first time we spoke on the phone was actually a fantastic time because it's the whole meaning of what is connection. And (laughs) that was exactly it. Connection, like a, a deep connection into everything. Yeah. I mean, we really connected and (laughs) we were just talking all about that. Yeah. So, so amazing. Yeah. It was funny because, you know, you saw it's, it's like that on, on, on hers. I think this is the way that we're made human. We're we're vibration and energy. And even if you're at a certain distance, just the tone of your voice and the way that you communicate with others can make sense of her or, or, or not. But this is it. We just started talking and we talked and we talked and then we kept chatting and talking and then going deep into what you were doing, it was obvious and so well deserved to have you on the cover of the magazine, for sure. <laughs> we couldn't miss that. Which was so, so amazing. Thank you again. Now I'm, this is such a rabbit hole, but now I'm just thinking about how, because you talk in your book about the role of music and language and how different parts of our brain interpret words versus sound versus music versus movement. And I just wonder, like when you meet somebody and you're talking on the phone, I wonder how much of what you hear is your reaction is based on like their literal voice, but like what goes beyond that? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's frequencies getting through the phone and in your ear and getting like almost the reproduction of the exact sound that you will will have if you talk face to face. So uh, at least it's it's a great copy because it's using the same up and downs in frequencies. And this is probably the way that you, you can get connected with somebody is because you probably are totally in phase with those frequency because they they they're probably the same as you have in 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 your cell in your body in in, in everything i don't know you know this is the new story of uh, quantum energy and this new big trend that is going on i i'm a true believer of this kind of extrasensorial communication, like feeling the aura of somebody else. I'm a true believer. And at the same time, it's a paradox because I'm a scientist and most scientists are just like, it's fairly difficult to demonstrate that now we can show that some people, when they're happy, they have some sort of light around them. When they're anxious, they are turning to be very dark, but we're just opening those doors. Maybe our kids will know better. We'll find a way to communicate the proper way, but this is like some sort of sixth sense and this is what is happening. Yeah. So any to answer your question, of course, it's a response of our brain. (laughs) It goes from there. I love that so much. And um, of course, we're already talking about quantum physics. It's funny because you and I were talking right before this call and you were talking about your book and how if somebody were to read your book because it dives really deep into all of the science and stuff. And you were talking about how, like, if somebody just read that, they might get a different view of you in their head because your persona is a little bit different in real life. Totally opposite. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell listeners a little bit about, <laughs> about your personal story? Like, 
<laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> you know, if I had the answer to that, <laughs> I would be super happy who I am, really, because every day I discover another part of myself. And uh, sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes it's less pleasant. But I think that the, definition, the, the real definition of who we are will probably be completely modeled at the end of our life. So who I was when I, I wrote that book, the same guy I, I've always been, I, I would say, that the book doesn't reproduce the person I am with my friends, family, and, and, and so on, because it looks like a very academic writing of what is happening in your brain, what are the parts of the brain, what is the neural connection, and time to time you jump like with some sort of I would say originality, putting some very tiny part of what my life is in reality into it. But I was reading it back and I go like, oh my God, this book is really bad. It's not bad. It is not bad. I look like a professor and I'm not. <laughs> it's a little bit of a conundrum because in order to have a conversation about a complex topic, you sort of have to have a baseline sort of knowledge. So like if you're engaging with your reader, you have to teach them all of this stuff. So it's kind of mandatory that you have this potentially, quote, dry material. So it can be, I think, a puzzle. How do you communicate to people? I, I don't know. It's, it can be hard. It is true. And you are so right on that because, you know, today, I think that the key factor of everything happening on our planet is communication. If you master communication, you master several aspects of life. I agree with you that you need some certain baseline to make sure people understand the concept and the precepts of everything behind our, our, our brain, our body, our functionalities, our mindset whatsoever. But the goal, probably in my next book, would be to do some vulgarization, make it more accessible to people to understand scientific complex system without having to go through the whole knowledge of wordings and theories and stuff like that. And, and when you get that concept and you can transpose it to anyone, and I'm, 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 I'm literally saying anyone from the age of 10 to the age of 90, and they understand it fairly completely, your mission is done. When you get to be too complex, then maybe it's because you don't get it the right way for, you know, Einstein, I think Einstein was saying, if you, can, if you can, yeah, <laughs> if you cannot explain it simply, then it's because you don't know it. Was it his quote or somebody else who said, like, everything should be made as simply as possible, but not simpler? Something like that. Yeah, and it's true. I think that's our universe is dictated by science. The basis is can be explained by science and deep and, and, and completely almost everything except probably God. And even starting from there, you have to remember that some people, they just don't like science, but they're still interested in knowing how they work or their body work or their brain work, even being interested in deep science. And if you make that accessible to these guys, it's fantastic. And biohacking, it's a bit of that because you look at those biohackers, all these biohackers around the world, they're not all scientists, far from there, but they're using a lot of concept that are, is coming from science. I was actually thinking about this this week. I was thinking how, because we have a lot of 
conflict in the world and a lot of people not agreeing on things. And I was thinking, if it boils down to it, really, the key issue with everything might always be people trying to communicate what reality is and disagreeing on it. Like, because if we all agreed on the same reality and communicated that way, I don't know how we would have arguments or about anything. Yeah, it would be a bit uh, aseptic in terms of the world would be like not that exciting as it could be, but to a certain extreme communication. Uh, the problem with communication is really communication. It's because when two people are starting to argue, whatever the length of the communication, most of the time it will end up by having those two people taking their paths in a opposite direction and staying on their initial saying and thing. So they spend hours fighting and argument, arguing on, on things to actually just transpose their ideas, not listening to others. So this is the, f- the fundament of this universal communi- communication problem we have and the wars and, and, and things like that. And then it's the mass effect that is created by, by good communicators that can enroll people that are not always thinking the right way, but they're just like absorbed by the idea of, well, this sounds good. Okay, let's do it. And and you get people involved into war and making crimes and horrible stuff just because they're like on that pattern. And if you took them like separately on a different story and you had a glass of wine with them at night, it would be a totally different thing. That's why it's a reason for this show. I like to bring on people of like completely opposite opinions and perspectives because, you know, it's very easy to get in an echo chamber and just, just hear what you want to hear. So, but so going back to your personal story, when did you first get interested in everything that you're doing today, which is a lot of things, but I know you struggle with ADD and things like that. But you know what? It's a super power for me because my whole life I've been this kid. I was this kid that I was not like in the term of hyperactivity, like doing stuff all the time and moving and jumping everywhere. I was more in the intellectual uh, stage of it. Like I was bored at school. I was always learning from books. I was like interested in paintings, history, philosophy, poetry, mathematics, physics, everything. And I couldn't stop learning. That was my main problem. And every time, instead of going to play with kids and others, I, I preferred to create stuff, you know, even if it, if it was building machines or trying to get mechanical parts together. So that ADD opened a lot of doors for me, in terms of seeing the world and what is possible, what is not possible. And, and, and it's been like that forever. It's, uh, at the end of the day, I can say that, of course, it's exhausting because you, you cannot sit on a table. And if you turn your head and you see a book with a title that attracts you, automatically you jump on it. But the problem that you're facing there is you cannot keep your focus in reading. So you have to find techniques to read like in another way or diagonal or, or, or jumping from words to words, but accumulating data and information in your brain. That is good because it creates, you know, our brain is plastic. So this is the goal of l- learning. On another side, 
you're going to spend hundred years of your life just learning because you're going to forget things that you're not using. So <laughs> is that on purpose or not? I don't know, but I'm coming from that world. Then yeah, I went through study. I had, I was fired. Like I was expelled from school. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When I was going, I was 17 and I was going on my bachelor actually. And I was uh, expelled, but that didn't stop me because I went back home and I studied uh, by myself. And only seven got their bachelor. I was it was in biochemistry. Only seven got it. Was the sixth best of the class and me. So I was pretty proud of that. So you got expelled. You self studied, and then you went to college and got your BS. Yeah, exactly. I was still. So I was expelled from the school and it was like uh, five months before the exams and I studied on myself. And in June, when the exams were to be done, I just signed up myself by myself as somebody else coming from the outside on that bachelor. And I ended up because it was bachelor in biochemistry and it was the same class I was following actually before being expelled. So the six good from the class got it, and uh, one outsider, and it was me. And, uh, and that gave me the opportunity to understand that when you want some things in life, you set your goal, and nothing can stop you, as simple as that. So to clarify, bachelor, like a college or, or high school? Well, I was in France, remember? Oh, right. Yeah, bachelor in France is the equivalent of uh, high school here, I guess, grade 13 or something like that. And they do it by subject, like it was a science? Yeah. Yeah, you have uh, there, you have like mathematics, science, biochemistry, chemistry, psychology, and, and or language and arts. And I was in the biochemistry one, which is a very specific one. And actually, it was a school at that time made only for girls. And we were yeah, 105 girls in that school and four boys. The three were ugly and I was the, the, the good looking one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's crazy. So where did you go from there? Because I love learning, so I'm the same way. Yeah, I know you're you're that. I know that. It's like on that side, yeah. So where did you go from there? Okay, so from there, I had my graduation, and I go like, I'm going to go to university right away. Went to university. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't go to those courses and, 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 and things where you sit for three hours and you have to listen to somebody that is telling you, what is written in the book. So same pattern. The first year I failed and I said, okay, there's a reason behind it. It's maybe the way that you want to stick to the system and, and, and be like others. And I thought back of what happened before. And I said, I'm going to go the same way. And I went from that way and I moved from Strasbourg to down to south of France at that time, and I went to the university there. And at the same time, I was a DJ. Nice. Was it electronic Mozart yet? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was DJ. I was doing radio shows, and I was racing cars as well at the same time as studying, you know, being busy all the time. And Months after now, months, I got my uh, diploma in immunology, genetics. I ended up being first of the promotion when I went to uh, university in 
immunology. And then I moved from there to studying biotech, where I ended up being an engineer, which is okay, I guess. Question about when you were doing the DJ, because you talk a lot about music in the book. Were you doing the classical electronic music yet? Trance music was my best bet there because the harmony, and once again, we're talking about vibration again, the harmony and the mix that you can do with uh, sounds is outstanding, what you can do with techno music. And, you know, people consider electronic music as boring and the redundant boom, 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 which is not true, actually. Uh, if you look at the at the response, the frequencies response of techno music, it's as high as classical music. And, yeah, and the effect on brain, on the brain, classical music was, like, studied widely on kids, on teenagers, on adults. But techno music seems to have some sort of similar but different effect on the terms of putting you into trance. And and, and this is, like, interesting because they called it trance music because they had that feeling at that time that people dancing on those music were just, like, in a trance mood. But uh, now that we have all the tools to, to, to look at what that music is doing, it's really putting you into a flow state, which is very close to trance. Going back to the very beginning of our conversation, and we were talking about how somebody's voice would you know, resonate or not with another person. So when it comes to music, are there like objective types of music that will have this effect on people? Like it doesn't matter who you are or do certain people respond to different types of trance music? Of course, it's really depending on the person itself. The But in general, I would say that effect on one type of music will trigger pr- pretty much the same effects on everyone's brains, but is the way that you accept it you like it, you don't like it, or you you have some sort of concept that I'm against comes in your mind. I'm against techno music. So whatever, whatever you're going to do, you put techno music. Unless you do it like as a brainwashing, the effect will not be perceived the same way. And it is proven as well that on certain person, trans music as a deeper effect and apparently and this is like subject to polemics people that are at the tendency or are subject to addiction are more into being affected by trans music than others that's interesting i have a thought about that quick question before it every single night it's funny so people will often ask me my biohacking routine and what I do to like wake up and then support my sleep at night. And I always leave this one out. And I don't know why, because I think it is so, so important for me. Every night I play this track on YouTube. I think it's 528 Hertz. I think it's so important to me and I just forget I'm doing it because it's such a part of my habit, but it's funny. It's your routine. Yeah. Like it it literally makes me just wind down. And it's funny if I'm talking to the phone to somebody at night, I feel like it can even affect them sometimes. I didn't try that with you. I know if we should do it. Yeah. For listeners, if you go on YouTube, there's all of these different, like different Hertz tracks that you can listen to. Is that a similar thing? Yes, it is. It is. It is. You know, it, it's it's always the same. Well, there is a basic principle about those frequencies. It's like the, 
we tend to reproduce what our planet is having as natural some sort of emission. There's all this debate about those white sounds, binaural sounds, what is the best music and what is the uh, frequency of the music that you need to, to, to have getting into your brain before sleep or after sleep or whatsoever. I, there's definitely some things I do listen to music, but I, you know what? I even, when I'm in Boston, I'm even sleeping with some background music. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference. May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando, and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and Dry Farm Wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples, meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohackingconference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. So when I sleep, I'm completely quiet, but some people do have that that music. I don't do that when I'm in Montreal, but I, I do that when I'm in Boston. It's because, I don't know, the vibration in Boston are really different. And I in Boston, I'm on the 21st floor. In Montreal, I'm more like in the middle of a very quiet place. And when I was going to my cottage up north, of course, I was sleeping with no noises, just nature which is the best. It's like that and it's different. But yes, I do need that. And I actually uh, even put some binaural sounds in my bedroom here to tell you if if I sleep better here or there, I'm not going to lie. I'm not sleeping better in Boston. Yeah. Well, that's why why you got to biohack and do what you got to (laughs) do. Okay, wait, let's circle back to, so you said that people who have more of an addictive personality are more attracted to this music. Okay, so what is an addictive personality? This is the thing, is like, there's more and more deep studies on this these addiction. So the, the reward pattern going into your our brain, that makes us like being addicted to certain things or substances or, or things like that. But now the, the big discussion is like, 
looks like people that are are prone to addiction are actually people with a higher IQ than others. And this is strange. Do you what do you think on that? Yeah. So I was thinking about this actually right before this, because I had never contemplated, because you talk in your book about how learning and acquiring information, and especially if it's something unknown, that it all of this releases dopamine. And I was thinking about how historically it would make sense that learning would release dopamine because that is how you're going to become a smarter, you know, being and survive in the world. And so then I was thinking, you know, addictive behaviors are releasing dopamine. So maybe the type of person that is naturally seeking dopamine and seeking addictive behaviors is also the type of person that would maybe have a higher IQ, like be that type of mind. Yes, because why are are you trying to learn something new? It's because you have that reward by knowing something's different. And if you know something's different, automatically you feel like more accomplished. I think that, you know, the goal in, in, in life is... The ultimate goal in life would be to know everything on every uh, <laughs> on everything. Yeah, that's impossible. But novelties in your life brings some sort of happiness already because it's new and it changes. Changes good in general. Learning something's new open doors to learning something's even newer or even different or in different field. So the more you go that way, the more probably you become addicted to the learning process and, and raising your baseline of serotonin, I guess, and not getting back to it. I'm not sure, but I think, you, yeah, you are right on that. <laughs> You're probably right, right. And the IQ, you know, that now IQ is something that people are not even relying on too much. They're more looking at the uh, emotional intelligence, but your emotional intelligence is fragmented and, and is is more flexible to to play with when you know things and when you know how to behave and you can learn those things by by reading, by watching, by listening. This is a question I had for you. You talk about how the role of enjoying what you're learning, how you you learn it better if it's something that you are enjoying. Can you transfer that enjoyment? So for example, could you be learning something that you don't necessarily like are not that excited about learning, but while doing something that is fun, so you're releasing dopamine from something else? Can that like hack learning that way? Yeah, it is actually doing something fun or something you like for learning in, in the child way of it. Like kids, they're, they're learning when they're kids, they're learning by playing. And they retain all this information because their brain is open to to receive this information and to store them. If you are forced to learn something, you're going to forget it. Anyway, remember when you were in school and there is like, I don't know, you you go to uh, geography. For me, it was the worst thing. Geography. And they're like, okay, you need to know uh, where America is, where... Africa is, what is the capital of this and this? At the end of the day, I was always questioning myself, why is that? Why do you need that in your life to, <laughs> to, to operate properly? And you're like between 13 and 14, and you look at that, that learning, and you just forget it. 
then it comes back when you become adults because you know that it's necessary to know where is Africa, where are those countries and the capital, all these things. But when you're younger, those things, they don't stay in your memory. They don't, and the country put in school or at home and you're learning to do some things new. And at school, you're learning some things that catch your interest. Automatically, you're going to listen to your professor. You're going to look at what is in the classroom. And that hour that you just spent just flew opposite to the other one that that hour seemed to last like four hours. So you enjoy the process. If you enjoy the process, automatically your brain response is to build memory because our brain is plastic. We all know that. And it's repeated everywhere today. Neuroplasticity seems to be the new trend after being vegan or gluten-free. Now you're neuroplastic. I'm a vegan, gluten-free person with neuroplasticity. I had never really thought about that before. It's really interesting. You know, we all go through this schooling system and yet we walk away from it, like you said, like having attached and found enjoyment from one certain aspect of it compared to all of the rest. I wonder if that's chicken or egg. Like, I wonder if when you're a kid and you go to school, like, do you come to it with your brain already going to like a certain type of topic or is it how it's presented to you and you like it and then you like it because you (laughs) like it and it's like self-fulfilling. Like, I wonder why certain people like different things when it comes to learning. Well, you know, I I believe that it's a mix of, of both. Remember one particular field of learning that you loved and then suddenly you change classroom or class and you have the worst professor on hers that is taking over that subject or topic and it turns out that you ate it after that because it doesn't fit and we're talking about vibration again the information doesn't pass from your professor to your brain so you love that the second example, you have mathematics and the year after the professor is different, you ate mathematics and you suck at it because you ate it so deeply that you're not even capable of solving or memorizing those things. This is it. We've been through this process. Everyone, I think, even people that skipped school or left school at the age of 14, they do remember having some sort of phases where it was not just because they were not open to learning that things, but it was because what it was brought to their attention was not appropriate for them the way that it was brought to their attention. At the end of the day, we're just human. We need to, again, have a nice communication back and forth. Another question about dopamine. So you actually answered a question. I I don't know if it's a question, but it's something I was unclear about for a long time until I read your book. And it was also, so the two pathways of dopamine, I didn't realize there was one, like, I guess, is it the mesolimbic and then the, what's the other one, the neurostriatal or striatus? So one of them relates to what I always thought was the entirety of dopamine, which is, you know, that pleasure response to things. But then the other one actually relates to motor activity and physical movement. I was always interested in how the role of like dopamine and Parkinson's. And I didn't really understand how that all came to play. So I was wondering, so what is the role of dopamine and these feel-good neurotransmitters in 
not only our mind, like how we enjoy things, but also our physical activity, which kind of leads into what you do with exercise and calisthenics. Yeah. So, you know, this is the thing. So you have this pathway of rewards and and, and it's very different. It could be like uh, you're doing some things and it's going great and you're super happy and yes, you did it good. Then you release dopamine and you have pleasure of that reward, okay? Do that things 10 times in a row and get the same reward. You're going to get almost bored at the end of doing it and you're not going to feel the same pleasure of doing it, okay? That's one. The other one is like you could actually prepare yourself to get rewarded. And this is one of the most important biohack, I would say, in a way, to optimize your performances, whatever they are, not just physical, okay, uh, intellectual or others, by thinking about the pleasure that you're going to get when you're going to achieve that goal. And that pathway, I believe, is way more important than the strict reward pathway of releasing dopamine. And it's like, you know, dopamine at the end of the day, it's just, it, 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 what, the, what does dopamine? It helps neuroplasticity. Here we are again. So the whole like quote woo-woo idea of, of visualizing, like it actually does something for us in the present. Melanie, this is, this is exactly what life is all about. You set your goals. First, you need, you need to have goals in your life. Okay. If you don't have goals, then you're not going to achieve anything you're not going to be happy and you're not going to be well overall you're not going to be happy in your life but the difficulty with everyone is like okay i want to set goal i want to be happy i want to get my dopamine released and they're not capable of setting goals that are realistic enough so they set goals that are not attainable visualization can allow you to see okay this is way too far for me i'm not going to make it without being negative on, on, on that pattern of thinking. But if you visualize where you want to go and you can make steps in between it to attain the, like the, the extreme goal of that, so the visualization will help you to say, okay, I'm going to go through this step. I'm going to prepare myself. When I make this step, check, one. And you're happy every time that you get over that step and that builds up memories memory learning and of course makes you retain the skills or the the necessary movement patterns intellectual thinking connecting dots at the end this is the, the, the the thing connecting dots to get to that step one step two step three step four if you don't if you, if you jump into the situation without thinking about it and without having the plan to go there, so this is called visualization. If you're not, if you're skipping that part, you're not going to make it, and you're not going to get the same trigger. It's not going to take the same path, the, the same pathway for dopamine. Of course, I'm not saying that it's not good having surprises. It's actually very, very good in terms of dopamine release. It raises your dopamine very high because it's unexpected. But setting goals, having that visualization is probably the key to build yourself up stronger, more efficient, and more 
accurate, I could say. So we need to have specific goals that it sounds like they can be big goals, but they actually need to be achievable. Like we need to see an actual step-by-step path that can get there. And then we imagine those steps. Exactly. Because otherwise you're not going to get there. And this is why I, 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 I put that no plan B. It's because once you set that goal, there is no plan B. It's your plan that has to be followed. And don't think about an escape plan. As soon as you start thinking about something different than your goal, be sure that you're not going to make it. It's impossible. You're not convinced. You're not dedicated to it. So set no plan B. Look at your, uh, at your goal. Visualize it. Imagine yourself doing it. And you do it. And then you get your dopamine release, you know, and, and that dopamine release has been studied and it seems to be like, um, it's related to some substance that are very close to uh, cannabinoid substances as well. What about using substances that affect that? So things like CBD and stuff. Well, this is the big dilemma of my life to be honest. You talk about neurotropics and smart jugs and all of the different things. Exactly, exactly. And even, well, nootropics, I think that they're natural stuff that are okay. And some are have very solid bases, like scientific bases. And if you search on PubMed, you're going to find a ton of article about uh, creatine is a nootropic. But some others like extract of, uh, I don't know, uh, the tooth of uh, tiger dead uh, (laughs) in India, that people claim to to be uh, nootropic. There's no proof of that and have difficulties with those things. And you have to separate them from actually chemical substances like microdosing or LSD or psilocybin or even stimulant like uh, Adderall. Vivens, uh, all these the, the things, they, they all have a different impact on your brain. And now, to be honest, I've tried many of these things, not LSD and, and microdosing. But uh, the problem that is generated there, it's always like the addiction that comes with, with any magic pill, you know, the drawback of that. While trying to implement those natural pathways by sports, reading, learning, achieving some goals. On my personal experience, I think it's way better. The impact on your overall health is almost none compared to whatever you take. And nootropic, it's it's okay, you know, it's it, as long as they're natural and those ingredients are, are well balanced, I, ha- I have nothing against that. But now that I've tested the other substances, stimulant, psychostimulant, I can tell you that don't go that way. It's not necessary. It's it's a short cut that you're probably going to regret one day. I feel like one of the most famous ones in the biohacking world is probably ProVigil. Did you ever take that? I, I haven't taken it. I, I thought if I did, I'd be awake for, I'd probably never go to sleep. Yeah, and the impact is, yeah, that is the thing. You know, it's uh, the drawback is like uh, affecting everything we try to optimize. At the end of the day, we biohacker try to get the perfect life balance in terms of health. So you try to extend your sleep, you try to extend your exposure to sun, you try to expand your mindfulness. 
self-awareness and all these things. And when you go into those substances and, and answers, the danger there is that, yeah, you're not going to sleep for two days. <laughs> it goes against the principle, no? I just know I have a really addictive personality, so I... Oh, you probably have because your IQ is very high. Yeah, so I'm like, I just, I can't really touch anything. I Even coffee, I don't have a lot of... Because you compensate with wine. <laughs> I, I do love my wine. That was one thing we bonded over, our love of wine. Yeah, which speaking of, yeah, how do you feel about the role of alcohol and wine in health? This is the thing. Remember, I was born in France. <laughs> wine is like normal. <laughs> I drink wine every day and it's been... I don't know, 25 years that uh, I'm probably drinking half a bottle of wine per day, even if I train or whatever, I think is good. I think that people that are against drinking wine, I respect their principle. I respect the fact that you don't like it, but don't ban it because it's alcohol-based. And today we see that there is a lot of benefits in drinking wine. It seems like to be a bioact by itself. And you know it better than anyone there. Hi, friends. Okay, so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been talking for so long about red light and near-infrared therapy, which is so, so important. However, I kind of left out something really important about light. So as you guys know, I've been talking about red light and near-infrared for so long. And at the same time, during the day, I was using a bright, sad light so it's those white lights that help with waking you up, help with your circadian rhythm. They're used to combat mood issues and depression. So I have a really bright white one of those at my desk. A few things about that. I knew it helped wake me up and kept me stimulated, but I wasn't sure if it had any detrimental effects using it. And then two, I was also wondering if by just focusing on red and near-infrared light, was I somehow missing something in the full spectrum of light? Guess what? I was. And guess what? I found the solution and guess what? I have a discount for you guys. So the founder of a company called Soulshine reached out to me and he was like, do you know about the importance of full spectrum light? And I was like, you know what? I've been wondering about this for quite a while. Please educate me. Oh my goodness. This man blew my mind. I talk a lot about the problems of blue light. That said, we evolved in natural full spectrum sunlight that our genes are programmed to respond to. And today we do not spend enough time in that light. A lot of us don't go outside and we're overexposed to blue light. It's a problem. And then to make things even more problematic, the common sad lights that I was talking about that are bright white, they actually do not contain the full spectrum light. They filter out certain wavelengths and they're high in blue light. So just like I thought, it was not doing my health many services. There is only one company I have found, or I guess that found me, that makes a full spectrum white light device. So the Soul Light Systems include the fullest spectrum of visible and invisible near-infrared light with traces of UV light. Yep, that's right, because you need all of that as well. Don't worry, it's not an exuberant amount that's going to cause a problem. It's just a tiny little dose that your body actually needs. You can use these lights to fix your circadian rhythm and properly stimulate your brain's suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, in a way that it was supposed to be stimulated. It's kind of like the natural spectral diet. Because yes, you may be suffering from malillumination. Did you know that your entire bloodstream actually filters through your eyes in a relatively short amount of time, that's the only way your blood is exposed to the outside world. 
So when we expose our eyes to this light, it actually can have beneficial effects on our blood. That is crazy. It helps with skin, with mood. This is the light that I wasn't thinking about that we need. I love Soulshine's light therapy devices. I do use it in combination with my red and near-infrared light devices as well so that I can fully bathe my body in the best light that is so helpful for my sleep, for my stress, for my metabolism, for my immunity, for my health, so many things. They have so many different device options. They have one that I love that kind of looks like a juve and I sit it on my desk and it has options for the full spectrum light, which is that bright white light, as well as an ear infrared option. So what I do is I do a session of the full spectrum light in the morning and then I run the near infrared to help counteract the negative blue light around me. They also have stands with bulbs that you can get. I've been using some of those on my plants. I am just so grateful that Ken at Soulshine found me because I was missing out on such a key aspect of light and I had no idea. And you can get 10% off at melanieavalon.com slash soulshine. That's S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code melanieavalon. So melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code melanieavalon for 10% off. It's really helped my mood, my energy, my sleep, so many things. I think you guys will love it. So again, go to melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. I was actually just recently revisiting and researching the latest literature on, you know, how it correlates to health or longevity and also disease and mortality because we got a question on the intermittent fasting podcast about it. They had read some studies saying that, you know, alcohol is a type one carcinogen and any amount is too much. And I found this really good review, like from 2022, it's very recent and it looks over what it considers to be the good reviews and meta-analyses of wine, of alcohol. Is it wine? I think it's alcohol intake. Yeah. And it, and it basically concludes that, so in general, they'll often say that it's a J-shaped curve for mortality and different diseases, but they basically conclude that the studies are like all over the place and find all different things. So my takeaway from it is, so yes, alcohol is a carcinogen, but if we just look at correlational data and epidemiology and populations drinking wine, clearly it can correlate to health and longevity and also to issues. So I think it probably is very, I think if you step back, that kind of says that there probably is a very healthy place for wine in one's diet. And it might be more complicated. Like when the issues arise, it's probably very independent to the individual how much they're drinking, what they're predisposed to. But I don't think the point of all that is I don't think we should say because it's a type one carcinogen, that means that you shouldn't have any. Like that's a black and white approach. Exactly. It's like, well, you know, the uh, reservoir, okay, the studies and everything behind it. And it was like super extended and extensive studies on that. And wine was actually stated as a fantastic product for longevity and for uh, boosting even mitochondria as a supplement because of, of reservatural. This is the problem of our society again. We have publication that goes one side, one way, and they take one pinpoint spot and they extend it to the extreme. And then you take another pinpoint spot of the same product and you extend it to the extreme like alcohol 
gives cancer. So, yeah, because like the resveratrol, it's like we want to put all of the benefits to this one molecule and focus on just that for the positive or on the flip side, like you just said, we make it all about the alcohol and the negative when maybe it's the entirety of the drink and its synergistic effects and its um, integration into your diet and your overall lifestyle. So I'm team wine. (laughs) I'm with you on that. (laughs) You know, we're the most complex machine ever built or like, and of course, every time you take one single molecule on the side, you can find whatever effect you want for it. But we, we tend to forget that we're complex systems and we have one that is chemical and electrical that drives everything in our body, of course. Uh, electrical that generates chemical neurotransmitter, tra- neurotransmitter creates movements and things like that. But then on the side of it, you have your own thoughts that have fantastic effects on everything. So when you inject those substances like wine, it's a freaking complex liquid. It's not just like water and color red inside. It's super complex. It comes from bacteria that have worked hard to transform sugar in alcohol and and, and, and all the process of fermentation and things like that. Once again, it's super elaborated. It's not a simple liquid with one molecule into it. So, of course, it has a different effect, good or not. At the end of the day, it's just like everything. Don't abuse. Don't abuse on everything. It's not good. Whatever you do. So I can't let you be here and not talk about your engagement in calisthenics, which I keep hinting at. So my thing, okay, (laughs) quote exercise or like concentrated workouts at the gym is not my forte. So (laughs) I, we, you and I talked about this on the phone, but so I like, I live very active and I wear weights during the day and I move around, but I'm, I don't really do well. Actually, my new thing that I'm doing is kind of the lazy man's way out. I've been doing a lot of M sculpt muscle stimulation, but that's a good one actually. Oh, I'm obsessed. (laughs) I've been doing like my hamstrings and my glutes and my abs and my arms, all the things, but it's, it's a bit of a shortcut. It is. It's amazing. It is not that pleasant sometimes, but the effects are, I'm really, really impressed with the effects for listeners. Basically it stimulates your muscles and makes them contract a lot within a short amount of time and it does it deeper than you could consciously and you basically build muscle later from just lying there. So that aside, (laughs) calisthenics. So I'm so fascinated by this. For listeners who are not familiar, can you talk a little bit about what that is and what is neuroscience calisthenics or is it always calisthenics? No, well, actually calisthenics is, it's it's one of the oldest, oldest sports coming from Greek, it's, it's a mix of movement and grace. So it's the beauty of making some movements that are quite difficult to do, of course, because they require to have every single muscle of your body to be involved in the process of that. When I started calisthenic, I was fascinated actually because I saw a guy coming in, uh, in a gym, jump on the bar and just holding that it's called front lever position. It's like you're flat, like doing a plank, 
but reversed and hanging on a bar. And I was just like, holy smoke, how can he do that? It's like literally impossible for a human to do that. And I, I was with a trainer and I go to the trainer, I want to do that. My trainer goes like, no man, forget it, you're too old. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it's for kids. Uh, then you're going to have your tendons and your joint and it's it, it requires you cannot do that after 25 and i go like you know what i'm starting now today i've learned so because i'm a learner all the time so i started to try to get gather information about calisthenics and what it was and where it was coming from and actually it was simply coming from gymnastic adapted to street workout so it's Basically, it's gymnastic without the rules of gymnastic, but still keeping the same forms and movements. And it was done by people that had actually no money because they couldn't afford to go to gym. So they were doing body workout outside and doing those things inspired by gymnastic. And, you know, I've been raised in a family with a bit of money. So everything that was coming from the street, of course, attracted me because it was a rejection of the education I got, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so, you know, being punk is part of it. So he came to really grab my attention. And from there, so I started calisthenic doing this movement and, and gym. And I started to take it very seriously because the effect that it was doing on my brain was really different than any other sports. So I went to check what was studied in gymnastic and University of uh, Miami in the psychology of sport department. They had few publications on that. And I was fascinated by the fact that gymnastic in general, they studied that was an addictive sport, but required people to be into the flow state. And since probably the age of 10, flow state is something that has fascinated me so much and it's probably a reason why i tried those substances as well trying to get this flow state in a way or the other so to go back to calisthenic i started to train calisthenic and i was so dedicated to it that i was using technique to trigger the right neurotransmitter at the right time to be able to perform better movement learn them in a way that it was probably faster than others and in a few months, applying those principles, basic principles, and a couple of bioact that I'm going to talk about in, in a minute, people in the field of calisthenics were looking at me and I was like, what the, how did you come up with this progress in a so short period of time? And my answer was always a funny one. And I go like, it's because I'm a cyborg. I process information. <laughs> So that's why it's cyborg gains on my Instagram. But at the end of the day, the principle is very simple. If you know how to put your brain in the, in, in the phase of better learning, faster learning, those movements that triggers a lot of neurotransmitter and put your body to certain extreme conditions, like you can hold your, your feet in the air, defying gravity just on your, on your arm, that requires certain training, a certain adaptation. And I loved it so much that I 
I studied actually how to implement those trigger every time you want to perform better and go further and go faster and learn and, and, and be stronger, that I came up with this concept of neuroscience calisthenic. It was easy for me because it was all based on neuroscience, not pretending that it's the achievement of neuroscience, but it's basic principle of neuroscience applied to a sport that requires every single part of your body. So neuroscience calisthenic was born and I'm, you know, I'm a businessman. So the first thing I've done is I trademarked that, that name <laughs> and then I wrote the book. So what are some types of calisthenic exercises that people might be familiar with that they're already doing? So like, like as a push up, a pull up. Yeah, it is. It is. Any, anything related to push and, 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 and pull is directly linked to calisthenic. Anything that is related to body workout. So the, the basic principle of calisthenic is you want to start calisthenic, start doing some push-ups. Simple as that. From there, and this is the way you, you need to start. You need to be able to do push-ups. You need to do be able to do pull-ups. Need to be able to lift up your body, and of course, you need to train your core. Which, by the way, if your core is solid, your whole body is solid. It's not called core for <laughs> for no reason. Then movement from there. Of course, when you look at the majority of people, you look at calisthenics. So you do an end from when you see people doing handstands, which is one of the most known figure. So you do handstand and people, no, my upper body is too weak. No, uh, you have that type of person. And then you have the other type of person that is the opposite. They start today, but they would like to have the handstand achieved. Right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tonight. It's impossible. Everything requires process and discipline and practice. Practice makes perfect. But you can practice in a way that is more efficient than just practicing and this is the principle, the basic principle of neuroscience calisthenic, actually. It's telling people that when you go to workout or to practice training, put your mind, align your mind, prepare your body, prepare your, your brain, and your training will be efficient. If you don't go training that way, multiply by 10, 20, or 25, the time that it will be required to get to the same goal that you have set. And of course, you have visualized before. The neuroscience part and that hack that you created to make it allow people to make progress faster, like what are people doing? So, okay, to better perform, and it's known by any science applied to sport, performance-based is often related to state of flow, okay? To get to the state of flow where you're doing something that is so easy to do, but still requires some sort of effort. And you do it like in a way that it's almost natural for you. It's a long process to get there. But if you are able to prepare your brain to get into that flow state and then make your training in a flow state, every single rep or move or practice that you're going to do involve a series of neurotransmitters that will act in very defined part of your body with and considering it the reward pattern that we were talking about before and you make sure every single training that you, you're making are 
efficient enough and when they are accomplished you end up your training also with some sort of feeling of achievement that are crucial for performance and and progress so in simple words you can implement uh, like cold exposure that are really basic biohacking techniques cold exposure before or after sports meditation before entering to your workout and sometimes you can use like stimulators that are more artificial i would say than natural biohack but one of the things that i've been using a while a long time was uh, tdcs like transcranial direct stimulation i've been part of those uh, user of the alo neuro you remember that headset screen the company went bankrupt so it was like is it like muse or oh no it's muse is very basic and uh, no uh, no offense but um, Halo Neuro, Neuro was really using a particular technique of uh, sending electrical signal with some small peaks into your your uh, skull. And I, I was using it and I, I found that I was really progressing fast and no placebo effect because I'm trying to avoid all the BS around those people selling stuff and pretending that it's working and it's improving your neuroplasticity. So that one worked very well. Fortunately, the company went bankrupt. How did you know there wasn't a placebo effect? Well, it's, you know, if you align your mindset by saying, okay, I'm not convinced that this product is really working. I just want to measure, and you take measurable data um, during your workout or after, preferably after, so you don't perturb what you're doing. Then you know that it's it's probably not a, a placebo. The placebo was as some sort of pre-alignment of your thought that you're taking something that is going to act on your body. So avoid that part and say, nah, it's not going to work, but I want to try it. Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits the longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat when they drink. But if you want all of the benefits of wine, the type of wine you're drinking is key. Conventional wine in the U.S. is often full of toxins. We're talking things like pesticides, mold, and additives. Dyes, colorizers, artificial flavors. Have you even seen some wine that says vegan? That's because conventional wine isn't even necessarily vegan because of the additives. I am obsessed with a company called Dry Farm Wines. They're not a wine producer, but rather a wine investigator. They go all throughout Europe and they find the wineries practicing organic practices, and then they test those wines to make sure the wines are, wait for it, low alcohol, low sugar, free of toxins, free of mold, and truly supportive of your health. I'm obsessed with Dry Farm Wines. One of the most fun things for me as a wine lover is you get mixed boxes of wine and it introduces you to varietals from all over the world. The wines taste amazing and you can say goodbye to hangovers. If you think you can't drink wine, you've got to try Dry Farm Wines. I am obsessed. You can get a bottle for a penny. Yes, a penny. Just go to dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to claim your penny bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Melanie Avalon. All right, now back to the show. And then you also, and then you measure. Yeah, yeah, you take measurements. You, yeah, and, and this is important. You know, biofeedback is always one of the most crucial parameter of things to do. It's because it gets you to a point where you know what you're doing. But a funny story, 
after all these years, I'm not wearing any aura ring or, and they're very good, those things. But if you know your body enough, you're your own biofeedback tool. And you, you almost don't need all these things to know where you're going or what you're doing. And this is a bit the principle of what I would like to see in the world is like people capable of knowing that we have limits, we have potential. Most people know their limits, but they don't know their potential. And they're just like, they don't want to see it. And we're capable of doing so much. Everyone, not just me or you, you more than me, but everyone on this planet. Yeah, actually speaking to that, so you're talking about how when you first saw calisthenics and the trainer said you couldn't do that after age 25. So you also say in your book that the difference between basically somebody in their 20s and their 50s really is just their mindset. To what extent, and like just speaking of like literally the actual potential limits of things, like how much of it actually is mindset like what role does aging play because presumably it can't always be mindset can it like there must be some limit no well our cell structure and system are of certain limits and our genetics dictate like the expression of the expression of our gene dictate the way that we're gonna probably um, get older or or (laughs) fade out (laughs) in a way so there's things that we can control and there's others that we cannot uh, or we can act actually. But uh, what is the part of the mind? The mind can have impact on a lot of aspects of our health in general. It cannot change genetic or expression of genes, but it can impact it in a way that you absorb certain elements or others more than others. So what is the part of it? Um, not capable of giving you an exact metric as a scientific guy would try to do. (laughs) But I I can tell you that mindset is probably a 90% of what you're capable of achieving in terms of performances and intellectual development. And is probably only 10% on what you can achieve or change in terms of staying young and not having wrinkles or less mobility and things like that. There's there's this factor of it's not controllable by your mind. You need more than that. Well, it actually relates to what I was talking about with the M-Sculpt and how they say, I mean, I don't know the exact science of this, but they say that it makes your muscle contract more than you actually could because your mind stops you from doing that it's true that uh, that is true actually and and this is one of the first concepts that uh, i will tell anybody that starts when you get to the point where you you do reps or, or sets and you get to the i don't know you're doing 10 reps for example if you do weightlifting and you're at six and you're just like oh i no more I can't do more than that. And this is very basic, fundamental. But you're only at 40% of your real capacity. It's just because your brain that is made to be in the safe mode all the time will trigger neurotransmitter to tell you or to make you think that you cannot go further than that. 
And it, why he's doing that? It just wants to protect your body from, you know, we're lazy. We're made lazy. We, we prefer rest instead of running. We prefer doing nothing instead of being active. We prefer to not moving instead of moving. We prefer just to be on the autopilot system and, and control system. So this is it. When you do uh, M-School, and it's not... You cannot even go against that argument that they say it, it contracts your muscle more. Probably others' muscle, yes, but not mine. Not yours, because you've been able to lift that limit. Exactly. When I'm at my 100% that I think, I'm probably, honestly, without being arrogant or egocentric in this, but I'm probably close to the 90% of my capacities. Wow. Well, I believe it looking at your Instagram. But I still have 10% to go. I know. That's amazing. You know, when there are those stories of like a mother lifting a car off of her baby or something. So is that basically just the brain letting the body do what it could do all along? Yes, of course. You know, we, we have these strengths. And remember, we're coming from monkeys. How many of us are able to hang up on one arm and stay for an hour there? None. Monkeys can do, and they don't have muscular fever different than ours. It's the same principle, the same system. They use it differently. We're not. We, we became very lazy in our modern world society because everything is easy to do and effort is like almost, almost useless. But if you put the effort into it, you can build back those things that we had in our heritage and, and bring back the strengths that you could have, like lifting, well, lifting a car because the kid was under, it's more a, a, some sort of adrenaline effect that triggers some super strong electrical signal to the muscle that contracts all at the same time. But let's pretend that you can control your neurotransmitter and you're able by yourself to trigger the same pattern with the same molecules that gives you that instant one split second strength that would be awesome but in terms of performance for sport not sure it's going to help because it's a very short period of time but ideally it would be to be able to trigger maybe less adrenaline but still all the concept of this super strength that the mother had when she left uh, lift that car in a way that you're going to go above your 40 percent and this is this is what I'm trying to do with neuroscience guys think, as simple as that. I'm inspired now. I need to <laughs> I need to start doing this. I'm gonna get you there. <laughs> I know. So for listeners who want to start doing this, how do they start? They start by leaving their phone when they go to the gym. What if they're listening to music on it? Well, okay. Listen to music, put it in now everything is like uh, Bluetooth. So there is no wire, so no excuse to have the phone close to you. You can leave it in a drawer and put your headset. And, and yeah, and music is very good, actually, uh, when you do sport. But this is the first thing. Second, try to avoid any, uh, put your attention to what you're doing and avoid to talk to others. It's it's rude what I'm, what I'm saying, but, you know, people that are working out together and spend 90% of their workout time talking and chatting, that's not an efficient one. It's 
of course, it's social and it's good. It's good for the brain. But you can do socialization after if you are dedicated to what you're doing. And, and I don't want to sound like a, a too drastic or radical on that, but this is true. It's, you know, in I, I'm a strong believer that when you engage in something in life and you decide to do it, you have to go all the way. Otherwise, you better just not do it or not say it. And it's the same for sport. Um, too, way too many people wants to perform, but they don't put the right parameter and, and set up in place. So, yeah, I want to start calisthenic and I'm going to the gym with a phone, chatting, chatting, looking at the girls that is doing handstand there and, oh, yeah, nice. Uh, uh, and, and, and walking around and, and things like that. And then not trying to focus and then they complain because they're not performing. So you want to start, put some dedication into what you're doing. That's the first thing. And discipline yourself to be able to get into that state of mind. Like the flow state is one of the most important for performance. Achiever work on flow state. I posted that on LinkedIn recently. I would dream of a world where all the leaders of our world would be able to put themselves in a flow that puts their worker and colleagues into a flow state as well. But to get to that type of word in in our modern society will require a lot. You know, corporate America is different. You need to work eight hours. And we all know, backed by science, that we're not performing eight hours in a row. We can perform 90 minutes in a row. That's the maximum time span that we are able to concentrate on some things. And in those 90 minutes, it's just like 12 minutes that are very intense. A lot of barriers to overcome, but... A lot of very valuable information, and it's very implementable once we change our mindset. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. I am just so grateful that we've connected, and the work that you're doing is just really, really incredible and and life-changing. What resources would you like to put out there? How can listeners get the magazine? How can they follow your work? How can they get involved? But first of all, you are exceptional, Okay. Not me. <laughs> what you do is exceptional. <laughs> I'm just trying to give some tips to everybody and to make this uh, world better in a way or the other. Simple. So, yes, the magazine is one of the best tools, I guess, out there. Like Biohackers Magazine is the first and only magazine dedicated to biohacking first. But the beauty of that magazine, it's because people like you, Melanie, and like many very elite and knowledgeable biohackers are contributor to our magazine. And, and this is why it's, it's, it's so interesting because it covers so different aspects of our life with serious backup, science backup as well, and interesting biohack that I would not even sometimes think about and not even know. So... That is the reference. It, this is the best things to probably subscribe. And you can subscribe on biohackersmagazine.com. As simple as that. Or follow the page on Instagram as well, Biohackers Magazine, the first step. Well, I will put links to all of that in the show notes. And friends, there's been a lot of guests on this show on the cover of that magazine. You've had Sean Wells. You've had... Catherine Arnston with her algae company. I haven't interviewed Ben Greenfield, but he's been on the cover. So you've definitely collected a, a really 
amazing body of work. Nice panel, yeah. And recently we had my friend and cyborg as well, Mark Divine. You know, there's two cyborgs on this planet, and apparently it was the first, and then he said, no, you were. Yeah. So funny. That is amazing. Well, we'll put links to that in the show notes. And the last question that I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is, <laughs> which is so perfect. So what is something that you're grateful for? Life. Just that. Life. Life is about being happy. So... Happiness can be found everywhere when you decide to get it. I'm grateful for being alive every morning. I wake up and the sun is there. I can see it and and I know other people and I can communicate. I can talk and can see things. Not everything I see. You know, I don't watch TV, so I'm not exposed to those BS that uh, are around the world. I'm trying to stay positive and things I'm grateful for, life. And you now. I love that. That brings everything full circle because listeners, when you and I first started talking before this, that's what we were talking about. And I was thinking, man, I wish we were recording this. So we got to say it now because we were just talking about how wonderful it is to just so enjoy life and wake up. And Yeah. Life is beautiful if you see it that way. And it can be. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you, Jean. I am so, so grateful for your work and all that you're doing. You are incredible. I mean that. I'm so excited to see the future of everything that you do and stay in touch and, and meet you in person in the future. So Absolutely. I can't wait for that. And I'm so grateful for this invitation. And, and Melanie, you're, you're a gift. So I'm grateful for that, that we got to know each other. It's fantastic. It was meant to be, actually. I agree so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And I will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com feel free to contact me at podcast at melanieavalon.com. And always remember, you got this.